I feel like I start, I start too many of these podcast episodes now by <laughs> yawning. <laughs> and I've actually been sleeping, which I don't normally do. So I don't like, you know, normally I don't really sleep and I don't really yawn. And now that I am sleeping, I don't, I don't It's like I've given into my body and I should have just denied it its requests <laughs> of sleep. Because now that it's had, now that I've given it an inch, it's trying to take a foot. And I'm like, no, 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 hang on. Hang on, supply and demand. I don't have enough time to give you everything you're after. <sighs> yeah. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Movement Podcast. I am Pete. My yawning, kind of sleep deprived, but not always sleep deprived, but kind of always sleep deprived co-host is Brady. I Listen, I have a bone to pick with you. Sure. Now that I've heard you do the intro, because you always do the intro and you're like, you know, I'm so-and-so, and and then Mm -hmm. you you come up with like some adjective to describe me that is usually tied into however I've started the episode. That's true. And when we did our 300th episode, Mm. you referred to me, because I I talked about Leonidas and his 300 soldiers Mm. and stuff like that. And yep. you were, and you said like mid two thousands film referencing, like whatever. <laughs> I would like it to go on record that I don't think I've actually, at least not all the way through, seen three hundred. And I was <laughs> referencing ancient Greece and historical facts, and not just some rinky dink Gerard Butler film. I just, I'd like that to be on the record. <laughs> That it was a, a far more sophisticated, far more yep. um, not intellectual, not it was um, a, a high brow academic. reference. It was high a far more reference. academic yep. place that I was coming from. So that's, you know what, and that's fair. And I like how you just backhanded Gerard Butler there and said mm-hmm. Rinky Dink. Yeah, and and to be fair, I think I did say at the time. My ancient Greek referencing slash mid two thousand. So but I just wanted to remove <laughs> the film from the ride. I'd like that to be stricken. Stricken for the record. Um, but now it's time for me to be transparent and come clean. The only reason mm-hmm. I know about those historical mm-hmm. events are from playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So it's it hey, was not it was not legit. movies. But my academic hey. knowledge was in fact coming from hours wasted playing video games. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, speaking of stricken from the record, we are striking 1992 vote one off the record today. Mm-hmm. We are here for a voting episode, and is our is, is is our usual practice. We let the fans vote, Patreon and common folk alike, and <laughs> we <laughs> and the, <laughs> the, the those who support us and the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> we we had some voting options. We had Candyman, which I've literally never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so have you not even heard of the new? So there was a Candyland that came out, oh, like a horror yes. film that came out like three, two two years ago or something. I haven't seen it, but now that you say that, well, now that strikes clearly. a memory. But um, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so that is that like the new one is a remake. A remake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes makes sense. Uh, a League of Their Own, which was a voting option of mine. Never seen, surprisingly, as much of a Tom Hanks and baseball fan I am. I'm just mm-hmm. aware of it being popular. I was kind of into that one. I was kind of into that I, vote option. I've never... It's a weird one because I feel like if I sat down and watched it because of the talent that's in it, 
I feel like I'd be into it. Mm-hmm. I just never feel in the mood to watch it. So it's been yeah. a weird Gina thing Davis, Madonna, yeah. like Madonna. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Reservoir Dogs, which is become, I've only seen it once, but I have fond memories of watching it. So it's kind of made its way up there on the Tarantino range. Well, and it's just iconic, right? It is. Is it, it not it his got, first? Is that not number one yes. of the of the the yeah. fabled ten? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. He wrote a screenplay, screenplay which was in nineteen nineties. It's like true romance or something, and the money he got from selling that screenplay, he then made Reservoir Dogs with. So I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think that was his first movie. Yeah. Um, and the winner though. Oh, actually, yeah. before I get to the winner, we had something happen that hasn't happened before. We actually had voting options that weren't even voting options. I know. And I didn't understand. And like, it was one, it was one title. And what, remind me, freshen me up on what title it was. I'm confused if it's two, but I'm, my, my suspicion is some of these people saw one of the, like the pictures of the movies and mistook it for something else. I'm thinking maybe they thought Reservoir Dogs was the usual suspects because they said the usual usual suspects. suspects. So one person said usual suspects. Yeah. And then someone else was like, immediately after someone else was like the usual suspects. And I'm like, what am I missing here? It's a great movie. Yes. And what got me about it was the first person who voted the usual suspects was just, you know, it was just someone voting. And so, and I thought, well, maybe they're trolling us. Maybe they're like, you know, maybe they're like, I don't like any of those options. I'm going to interject my own option. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, pal, it's not the way it works. Blah, 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 (laughs) you know, whatever. Yeah. But then it also got a vote from Daphne. Like, like infamous, infamous, famous. No. Infamous is the wrong. Famous. Famous. Yeah. On the show, yeah. well, it could be infamous. I don't know. Give her time. Um, uh, on the show <laughs> for, I mean, she was part of our live stream. She's just constantly, mm. her name is constantly coming up. Um, one of the OG Patreon supporters, Daphne. Yep. And yep. so when then Daphne did it, I was like, is this a double troll? Or mm. like, is Daphne seeing that option and going, actually, yes, that's a better option than your four options. <laughs> so do that one <laughs> right. instead. Or yeah. was the first first vote that was there did that become confusing and misleading for people i don't know mm, i don't know what happened yeah but and, and some I, and then someone else put the serbian film which i had no idea what that meant uh yeah i mean i don't know that any of those <laughs> are you know i maybe maybe one of those is is like it has a serbian director i mean that it wouldn't I be i literally have no i, I don't know I don't know. Yeah. But either way, it was not enough to swing any votes. Um, no. So, and I can and tell you, I no- know the person who made the Serbian film mm-hmm. vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that he's ever said anything serious in, in his, his life. life. And okay. so that's. So don't read it. Don't national treasure it and think there's a hidden message there. No, it was probably some well crafted joke that completely went over my head, or it was and just mine, a really poorly crafted joke that. <laughs> fell flat on its face i don't know i don't know let us know um but yeah uh chaplin won Mm -hmm. and uh which is fair you know of note the usual suspects wasn't from 1992 but it is a good film so chaplin was the 1992 film that won of this vote and it was a vote that you put forward 
It was. Sorry, that's me to cue you up until... Yes, indeed, it was. And... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was. Um, it... Um, yeah, it, it's a film that I've been aware of for a long time. Um, it, it, it's, it's one of those Robert Downey Jr. films that predates the MCU, obviously, by a great deal. Also predates Robert Downey Jr.'s like big legal trouble. Right, like his mm-hmm. drug use and stuff like that, and so that, it was. It was like pre-Robert Downey Jr. sabotaging his own career. It was while he was still like up and coming. I I was curious how this fit into the timeline when he, you know, went off the rails, so to speak, in his career, um, and then you know he obviously came back in a big way. But I yeah. just wasn't sure where this fit in. So I had never seen it all. I hadn't. I hadn't seen this film. I had seen really? bits and pieces. I'm surprised by that, just because I look at the votes and I mm-hmm. count them and put them where they go and yep. add them up. And Ignore the ones you don't like and rig the <laughs> rig the game. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, make up a bunch of burner accounts just to be like, oh yeah, look, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the lost in translation one again, one again. Third week in a row. I just don't know how that happens. That, that and the holiday just keeps winning. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I sometimes I can see patterns and I'm like, oh, Brady's, you know, f- relatives or close friends all voting for this one. I've got a hunch that this might be one that Brady has chosen because it's something that he watches every, you know, 4th of July or something. And then well, it's not always the case, but sometimes it'll turn out you're like, yeah, you know, I, Brady, have watched this all the time when I watch it with my parents every Christmas and I do this or I do that. So mm-hmm. I think my Spidey sensors are like, ooh, this has kind of got his followers kind of stirred up a little bit here. I wonder if this is like his go to movie, but I, mm-hmm. I was wrong. Now, before we get into initial impressions, I have two questions. Sure. Three questions. I have I have a series of questions. One, okay. do you have any trivia? I do just more of like me sharing something, so it's not in the form of a question. But Okay. I do. And is it the thing that I think it is? Is it cast related? Uh I don't know. Okay. So then I have a question. Have you have you deep deep divin into the cast? Oh, I mean, I thought I had, but now I'm second guessing. Okay, 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 ahead. okay. So, my question for you, and maybe you've already figured this out, maybe you haven't. Mm. Yep. Which cast member mm-hmm. has a blood relation? Blood relation to Charles yeah. Chaplin. Oh, and what is that relation? Oh, I have zero clue. Okay, isn't that isn't that exciting? Isn't that yeah. you know? Uh, is it A? Well, no, I mean, the last name is the same, so that's not going to work. Okay, so <laughs> I'll, it, just, I'll just is, tell you. Is it Sean Connery? <laughs> yeah, Nicholas Mary, Cage. Mary Jo Chaplin yeah. or Robert Downey Jr.? So, in the movie, Charlie's mother, mm-hmm. Hannah Chaplin, okay. Okay. is played by none other than oh. Geraldine Chaplin, Interesting. Who is the daughter of Una and Charlie Chaplin? And remind me, which one was Una? The final, the one that's with him, like oh, to the end. Oh 
that, no that they way. have like seven children together or something. That is so wild. Yeah. So Charlie Chaplin's daughter in this film essentially played her own grandmother. Um, and yeah, huh. yeah. It's just that's such a cool like you know what a fun little fun little nugget. Fun little nugget, but just like putting yourself in the shoes. That's like some Inception level stuff or well, like some interstellar stuff where like you are playing your grandparent at a younger age. Well, and not just like, not or, just sorry, I guess playing, it's not grandparent, but like whatever. Yeah. Playing your grandmother. Grandmother. Yeah, I guess. Right. Be and so yeah. not just playing your grandmother, but stepping into the shoes of playing your grandmother who has a debilitating mental condition. Mm-hmm. Right, like to do that justice and and do it honorably and do it like it that it would have just been like a really fascinating process and and mental experience I think for Geraldine Chaplin to Mm. to have played this role. So, yeah, Hmm. yeah, yeah, cool. Which I Uh, kind of wonder then, and I we'll get into this because it's going to take me some time to do some deep digging. Yeah, but I wonder. If, because she was born, Geraldine was born in 1944, Mm. which means there's a good chance that there's a baby in this film portraying her, (laughs) that she's in this film as a character, (laughs) right? (laughs) I don't know. Anyways, uh, let's get into initial impression. Oh, no, you have trivia. You've got got some trivia to drop. Yeah, I have to... Well, might not be dropping for other people, but they were news to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I just had no idea that Charles Chaplin was British. That was just... <laughs> you were going to say it was real. I'm like, uh, no. hang on a second. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, yeah, that he was British. For some reason, that just... I wasn't aware. Hmm. Um, another piece that was completely shocking to me, blew my world, changed my worldview is the component of this movie of this movie that spared no expense which is the director being richard attenborough oh i see what you did there uh yeah <laughs> i listen i didn't i knew he had a well accomplished career prior to jurassic park and i just it was all classified as stuff that never crossed my paths didn't cross my alignment of interests but it just was what it was uh but i didn't realize he was an accomplished director as well and of you know like this some some quite bigger things so Mm -hmm. i just i found it interesting and it was just like uh old friend that you go wow good for you i didn't realize you could play the saxophone and do your own taxes and you go you're you're just surprising me every day with your talents right i thought that was cool right 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 right. and the last thing is uh, just impressive RDJ getting the Oscar nod for best actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's yeah. that's it. That's the point. Like that's quite quite an accomplishment for you know an iconic portrayal of an iconic you know very important actor. Oh, for industry. sure. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so I looked it up. I don't believe that she is portrayed in this film. Um. But what I do see is that her first couple of... She's been acting since the 50s. Mm. um, And the first couple of projects that she's in are films directed by her dad. 
Oh, interesting. So she was in those a couple of those silent Charlie Chaplin like oh. films. You know, she would have been acting alongside the Tramp. Yeah, that's just a guess. I'm curious. So cool. In this film that we watched, Champlin from 1992, in the very at the very end, there's I'm not sure which Charlie Chaplin movie that's shown at the Oscars, but the one where he's chasing the the child in the back of the truck and like consoling them and taking Could them be. from the jailhouse. I'm just I'm I'm just curious who played that child if it was one of his children or if it was someone random. Right? Yeah. Could that's be interesting. Could yeah. be. All right. Initial impressions. Um, sure. I went into this film excited. Like I said, I had not seen it. Sure. But it was yeah. always on my list. It was mm-hmm. it was a film that I knew at some point I was going to have to see, but it just for some reason never cracked the like, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we're choosing for movie night tonight type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It always just kind of got bumped out by something else. Um, but I did, like, I, you know, I really wanted to see this film. I knew at some point... Because I'm a fan of Charlie Chaplin, I'm a fan of Robert Downey Jr., um, and so yeah, it just it was going to have to happen at some point. Um, the moments in this movie that are special, there are there are definitely some really special moments in this movie, and and the special moments are are incredibly special. Um, having said that, I don't think that this film ultimately understood the assignment hmm um yeah and we'll get into that we'll get into why i feel that way and what i think it could have done differently what my what my real issues with it are Hmm. um and i think ultimately it comes down to to two main things um but yeah it um I didn't walk out of like I went into it walking I went into it thinking you know what I'm going to walk out of this this is going to be one of those films it's just going to be one of those films that like is an instant classic and you love it and it's heartwarming it's going to be right up there on the shelf alongside Walk the Line it's going to be this just incredible in-depth rich human story um and it has elements of that but I think ultimately no offense, Sir Richard. I assume he's a sir. Um, just did not, yeah, did not understand the assignment. Um, mm. Put together something, put it together relatively well, um, but it's it's not, you know, what they delivered is not what he's not even a knight. And I, yeah, no, never mind. It's not Sir Richard. And maybe this film is why. Um, <laughs> oh, but he is the Lord of Attenborough. What in the oh. hell? Um, so, anyways, huh. I think what it's is sub- his brother a sir or a lord? David. David? Uh, I would have to imagine David, Sir David. Yes, well, yes, oh, well of course. If you narrate Planet Earth, the lover of animals. Um, yeah. And who the hell's jo- his other brother, John Attenborough? Does anyone even care about this guy? <laughs> I'm sure their mom does. Well, I mean, he died 11 years ago and she still probably loves him. Well, she's she's probably dead. <laughs> but you, anyways, you don't know that. Anyways, um yeah, I think ultimately what this film submitted as its final assignment as its as its work um is not what was in the rubric. It was not what was in the syllabus. So, Interesting. yeah. Yeah. Uh what say you? 
All right. So for my initial impression, let me just peel the curtain back and just kind of give some insight here. In our region, uh, I was looking up the cheapest way to watch this movie. Uh, region me, being North America? Like, what are we, where are we at? <laughs> Canada. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, well, I don't uh, know. You could be like Ontario. You could be, you could, uh, we could have been talking no. about counties. No, no, Canada. Every time, every time Carl's on the podcast, he likes to give like his street name and like. <laughs> I know. Gosh. <laughs> like the man's just fearless. So I don't know where you were like, you know, <laughs> GPS coordinates, what we were talking about, but okay. okay. <laughs> Canada. Let's do that. Uh, but yeah, in our region, the cheapest way to rent it was no product placement here, but iTunes for two bucks. All right. Two bucks. Two bucks is not a lot of money. And I spent the $2 and downloaded it on my iPad and watched it. And Oof. here's the thing. Uh-huh. I have regrets. Huh. I regret not spending the extra $5 and just purchasing it. Ooh, you sly, backhanded, friggin', okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So you that know, you could always watch it on a lesser medium, which is your iPad. <laughs> uh, let me just clarify, because actually that's true. I do have that MO. I I, I did put it on my TV. Okay. Uh, my It's not a smart TV, so I have to like hook up the USB key to, or the USB cord to my iPad. and Right. Yada yada. So I did watch it properly. I did watch it properly. Um, but I, my hot take for this is this movie has the bones and infrastructure for a masterpiece. I'd say it's good. It's not exquisite. So I think if a few things had been different in the circumstances of, be, of it being made, we might be talking tonight about a top 10 film for me. And it just wasn't quite there for me. Um, I don't know if it was remade in modern day and maybe some more modern day filming techniques and and you know narratives might have done it a bit more justice i do wonder if a higher budget uh you know it was a 31 million dollar budget which is not nothing it's not an indie or low budget film by any mean but i do wonder if it uh you know given in a modern day context and a, a, a bigger budget and production value uh it might have had a bit more su success in my books but you know what i still think it's good and um, it's just not top 10 good. And, you know, I think what really scratched an itch for me is I really got a huge Great Gatsby comparison here. And when we're talking comps, you know, both period pieces in the early 20s, both tales of men with nothing who come from nothing but gain everything. But it all kind of comes with a melancholy past of, you know, an early lost love and with these men, they're both kind of haunted by a specific flaw in their character. So that kind of hit a lot of boxes on uh, other tales that I, I think are iconic or good, whether it be an iconic novel in The Great Gatsby or one of the most iconic actors in, in the film industry. So the more I kind of thought about what I was watching and things that happened on screen, uh, I was really impressed. But uh, there were some shortcomings for sure from it being, you know, superb. Right. It is worth noting this film was a financial disaster. Yeah, it really had mixed results. Right. A budget of thirty one million. Okay. Plus your marketing costs. Plus distribution, oh, yeah. so on and yeah. so forth. Uh yeah, yeah. brought in twelve million worldwide at the box yeah. office. Yeah, big That's, flop. 
big flop. So, all right, let's get into this. Let's let's talk first about cast. We don't always talk about cast, but when you have a cast like this, I think it's worth mentioning. So obviously there's Robert Downey Jr., mm-hmm. who I think is fantastic in this role. The, the Oscar Academy also thought so with a nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, normally would not have touched on, but again, worth mentioning, Charlie Chaplin's daughter, Geraldine Chaplin, mm-hmm. yeah. is also in this. That's fun. It is. Anthony Hopkins. I mean, come on. Right? Uh, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> also, come on. Marissa Tomei. I would say a blink and you miss it role. Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Uh, and not, and not as a degrade, but just it's a very brief, you know, glimpse. And of note, I I, I um didn't I, I kind of put some puzzle pieces together. I watched this uh this uh well it's not going anywhere, uh as a side note, BuzzFeed Unsolved true crime show and uh i did coincidentally watch the uh buzzfeed unsolved episode about william desmond taylor the person who was murdered that she was kind of associated with Mm -hmm. in that murder Mm -hmm. so just at the end of the film when that uh, like when which i thought was a fun kind of twist of just telling us what happens to each character and that went to her character and it's like oh she never directed and was never in the career again and she was involved with like a drug and murder scandal i was like interesting yeah things went downhill for mabel things went downhill for her and it kind of connected a few dots of something else i was familiar with in the hollywood true crime scene so i was like interesting connecting of the dots Mm -hmm. um we have Kevin Klein is in this as Douglas Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very young Melia Jokovich. Kevin Dunn plays J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, I did recognize him. Yeah. Uh, Diane Lane is in this. Most recently known, I think best known as Martha Kent, Superman's mother in the like Justice League Man of Steel DC universe. Mm, I think I recognize her as being the mom in Jack with Robin Williams. Yep, and there's that. And sorry, did you? I'm not familiar with this name, so I think you said this, and yeah. then I didn't went over my head. But is, who's the guy from uh, uh, X Files? Uh, um, Duchovny, David Duchovny's That's, in this. You said you said that guy. Right? No, not yet. No, nope. oh, sorry, no, I was getting there. Yep, yep. Calm down. Um, <laughs> Nancy Travis who is sort of more best known for um, playing the female lead opposite in the Tim Allen, um, oh, what was that show called? Last Man Standing? Oh, okay. It was kind of like his spinoff reboot, not really Mm -hmm. Home Improvement, but also kind of still Home Improvement. (laughs) Right. Right? Uh, um, There's James Woods. Hmm. James Woods. Yeah. He plays the lawyer working against Charlie mm, in the courtroom scene. Okay. He's also yeah. the voice of Hades from the Hercules oh, movie. No if you go, if you, if you go into that scene knowing that that's who he is, that's all you can mm. hear. Because <laughs> he's just, he's just got that voice. Um, right. As you said, we've got David Duchovny mm-hmm. is in this again, and sort of like a blink and you miss it. Like there's a lot of blink and you mm. miss it kind of appearances. Yeah in this um and so yeah that's that's kind of the big ones 
I think. Which is still a lot of names. Still a lot of names. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just trying to look up the guy that played Sydney. Mm-hmm. Is he Reese, Paul, Paul Reese? Reese? Yeah. Is he really big and known for anything? Uh, not <laughs> really. Kind of looking at it here. Yeah. Couple episodes of Murdoch Mysteries. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He played Beethoven in a Beethoven hmm. miniseries back in the mid-2000s. Okay. Hmm. Okay. 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 I may have seen that. That would have been sort of the time of school where your music mm. teacher was showing you movies about Bach <laughs> and Mozart and right. all those things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's kind of it. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Big cast. Big I cast. I would say so. Yep. Um, obviously yep. directed by Richard Attenborough, mm-hmm. the late great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Um, so, my beefs. Sure. I have two. And and they're sort of like, in some ways, they're, they're tied together by my solution for them. Mm. Right? Like, they're, they're two separate issues, but my solution for one also kind of fixes another. And okay. so, they're not totally disconnected. Um, issue number one is that I didn't, like, the movie just kind of feels very discombobulated from a flow Mm. standpoint. It's a little all over the place. Sure. In that you, you know, sometimes it'll be like, ooh, three years later. Mm. And in that three years later section of the film, it's like, 90 seconds of screen time and then we're on to a different time period like it just Mm. kind of felt like there was a lot of scenes in this where they were like they're like we feel like this is an important part of exposition so we're gonna show it but we're not gonna flesh this out into an actual (laughs) story Or a scene or, you know, whatever. And and it kind of happened over and over and over and over. And as a result, I I found it easy to get lost. I found hmm. it easy not to understand, okay, is this wife two? Is this wife three? Okay, did those two get married? What is the, mm. you know, what? And then at times it also kind of relied a little bit too much on... Like again, in this sort of like not not giving things time to breathe and in allowing you to understand the story, mm-hmm. there were times where I found like they were using terminology that was period accurate, but would as you should, but mm-hmm. sometimes did it in a way that unless you were in the know and understood terminology from that time, from the 20s, mm-hmm. then you didn't know what they were talking about. You didn't understand hmm. what was going on. Mm. Hmm. So, that's, so that, that's the one. The yep. other is that, and my solution for that is one of two things. Sure. You either take the film and narrow your scope. So instead of covering the whole life of Chaplin in two hours and 20 minutes, Mm. you choose a section of his life 
and you focus on that. Kind of like what Walk the Line did. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like, Walk the yeah. Line ends when Johnny Cash is in, like, his 30s. Like, it's, it's, it's not, it doesn't delve past, you know, what I, it, it, it chooses a section of it, and this is what it focuses on, and that's the story it tells. Bohemian Rhapsody did the same thing, right? Mm. And so, that, that to me, I think, it, narrowing your scope. Narrowing your scope, you can still show him as a kid, and you yeah. can still show it at the end when he's an old man. Well, but that's I, what I was just thinking. But I don't, if you narrow your scope, you lose. I the thing I'd worry about is losing the impact of that. Final absolutely, scene. but I I just think like the meat of your film. Like if you've got yeah. five minutes at the beginning that's him as a kid, and you introduce the issue with the mother, and then you've got mm. five or ten minutes at the end that is him you know, kind of looking back on on whatever and going and accepting his Academy Award and all of this stuff, you can still mm-hmm. do that, but then have the meat of your film be mm. more condensed to a smaller window. Yeah. Right? You don't need all these these little 30-second connecting scenes. Yeah. Um, the other solution, I, and this is a- not a viable solution, is if you mm-hmm. are going to show this... The film just needs to be an hour and a half longer, which it was never going to be an option. <laughs> right. But if right. if you if you've got scenes that are to quote the film, not not being left on the cutting room floor, if you've got scenes mm. that you're including, yeah, and and because of time restraints, because of whatever, it ends up being a thirty second conversation just to throw some exposition at you. You either need to cut that or you need to lengthen your film and flesh out these scenes so that we understand, we care, and we know, uh, you know, like, if I were to ask you right now, like, what were the what were the story points that happened with Wife 1? What were the story points that happened with Wife 2? You probably don't know. No. Because it all kind of gets blurred together because they're all happening so fast, so rapid fire. These These little glimpses, like tiny little short stories that are being thrown at you so that's my that's 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 my first beef the other beef and Um, and, before you before you get into that i do i do see where you're coming from and i think you would just have to be so careful and this is you said this so it is possible but yeah you really have to be careful because you don't want to skim over too much of the beginning because then if you skim over that the the ending gets less impactful yeah and it, i think it's bal- it'd be f- balancing a fine fine combination of how much you condense in the middle and kind of focus without losing some uh, the things on the periphery yeah and and i i honestly felt kind of the opposite i really thought this movie had an interesting narrative and i loved the narrative as it moved along kind of jumping around like you said because you get this biographer and he kind of sets the pace of the movie by prompting at all these kind of key events and you kind of jump to significant moments and in points in his life and you get these jumps in time and I think it's maybe I'm not going to argue with it and say it's good filmmaking and you're saying it's not or anything like that I think it maybe just kind of again scratches an itch that I like in some films where is it is fragmented and jumping around 
but I kind of do like seeing a character where they make a decision and say, yeah, we, we, I left Britain and, uh, left her behind and I was going to hope she waited for me. And then you flash forward to the future and he's an old man by himself and you realize, well, that haven't hasn't shown us yet, but I don't think that actually happened. And right. you know, where yet you, you see real time decisions and then you see the consequences decades later. Kind of like you saw in True Detective when you have multiple timelines. You just get an interesting layering of characters when you see that. So anyway, I think that's just opposite of how I saw it and how you saw it. And I think I just like that in movies when it is done and it is done okay. You know, could it have been done better? Probably, but I, I think I liked it a bit more than you did from the sounds of it. Well, and I think the way to do it better, because I do like that you had this this biographer who was there kind of setting the pace. Mm-hmm. I think for the most part, the scenes that I'm kind of talking about are like mm. scenes, like maybe there wasn't enough of the biographer, mm. right? Maybe sometimes we were, because he was there sometimes, and every time he set up a scene, it made sense. This is the scene that we're seeing is an right. answer to this question that's being asked. Right. But there was a that's lot true. of times where it would do a time jump or we would see several of these little expositional scenes and it had been a while since we touched back in with Anthony Hopkins. And I'm like, mm. so what's do you know what I mean? Like sometimes let's, the film just kind of forgot he was there. Let's get a let, let's get the story back on track with him kind of reining things in. Almost. Yes, yeah, I, and I think that that would have helped. Um, the other the other thing that I have that again is would be fixed by sort of taking and condensing the film was I didn't feel like we got enough of like yes, this movie served as a deeper window into the story of Chaplin that you don't know. And that's important. It's important. Like, that's the identity that this film needed to have. But I felt like in doing so, it didn't spend enough time on the parts of Chaplin that we already know. The parts hmm. of Chaplin that were those feel the feel good things, the stuff that would have drawn you in in the first place. So mm-hmm. yes, we get to see some of him on the set making the iconic films that we know and love, mm. but not a lot of it. Like we just didn't get enough of you know Charlie Chaplin on screen recreations of iconic Charlie Chaplin films. Um, and so, again, by taking it and condensing the story, that you would have had more time for that. You would have been allowed to to hone in on that a little bit more. Because ultimately, like, without that narrator constantly or the biographer constantly coming in to set things up, there are several scenes, like, even scenes that I really liked. Some of my favorite scenes, scenes where I was like, oh, that was... That was intense. That felt like a really great, captivating scene. Ultimately, I walked away from going, well, but it didn't need to be there. It didn't Hmm. serve anything. Um, I have got two examples of scenes that I really like, but ultimately, they don't do anything for the story. They don't progress the story. They're not really needed at the end of the day. And if you took them out, those impactful moments wouldn't be there, but it wouldn't take away from the impactful ending. Number one is him playing on the beach with his kids with the ball. 
And then the mm-hmm. ex-wife comes to pick them up. It's a great scene. And then the scene ends with him, you know, like just sort of showing off that, yes, he's a man whore. Um, and that was kind of, I think, really the only purpose that that scene served. But that had already been established, that he yeah. had this ongoing issue, um, you know, and and that it was either bound to or was getting him in trouble. Right. So you take yeah. that scene out. Like, I liked that scene. I really liked yeah. that scene. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't need to be there. It doesn't I, serve any real... It, yeah. You don't... There, there's enough other things in the film that are that are saying that same thing mm-hmm. that it's redundant. It's a redundant scene. I don't know. The more that you're talking about this, I kind of forgot about that scene, but I think it's important. I think it really... Kind of like I was saying the Great Gatsby comp, where you've got this character who's flawed... You know, obviously, his glaring flaw is this that he's this. Is it, it? I don't know what to call it. A womanizer, like he married them all, but like he, whatever you'd classify it as, he's obviously just got uh, some some womanizing habits. And you know, I think it just shows his duality of, yeah, he's an attentive father and he's caring. And he's got this past traumatic childhood of a mother sure. who was, you know, basically he was alone and raised himself in, in some capacities. And at the same time, he is this flawed human being with, with a problem. Right. And I think I just really thought that fueled into the whole character study of seeing the two sides of him in a very small scene, a short scene. So I, so, I would okay. argue that so I then keep with that, that one, but sure. remove a couple of the other eight scenes that explain that he's a womanizer and that he's got this issue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're, you could be right there with the number of wives he had, we did see like all of them. <laughs> we saw all of them. We saw every sure. person that he took to bed. We saw all, you know, all of this, yeah. all of this stuff. Um, yeah. The other scene, and this is may this is painful because it's maybe my favorite scene in the movie, okay. and it's impactful in the moment. Don't get me wrong; it's not it's not yeah. like a just yeah, a yeah. dead, boring, awful scene. Sure, but it really doesn't need to be like it's it's reiterated again in the end credits where they're showing you all of those things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it would have been fine just to have that information there ultimately sure. if you were trying to condense and hone and make mm-hmm. the film feel less all over the place it's the scene where he's on the train and he finds out that that irish girl his first love mm. is dead amazing scene amazing scene i really loved it really really loved it but ultimately in the grand scheme of like what story is this film telling what what is the finish line that you're trying to get to Mm. the scene that scene doesn't serve it right and so Mm. i i I, again i think the film is full of all of these little great fantastic special moments Mm -hmm. that i all that i enjoy all of them but they're just, they're just something, I don't know if it's some connective tissue that's missing. I don't know if it's just like kind of all over the place. Again, I would have, I enjoyed this film enough that had this been a ridiculous three and a half hour film, I think I would have enjoyed it more. 
Mm, if it had been really fleshed out and well done. Yeah, because I didn't, it's not like I didn't want these moments. I just wanted these moments to be more fleshed out. Yeah. If you're going to tell the whole story, then tell the whole story. Yep. Right? Because all of a sudden I'm like, okay, whoa, now he's got gray hair. (laughs) Like, what has just happened? And, 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 okay. So, like, okay. Right, but then the weird things that it chooses to like skip over, where you know you find out in the end, he's like him and his third wife had eight kids together. I, I'm yeah. sorry, excuse me. Yeah, exactly. He what? Yeah. Like, pardon? Where the hell yeah. were they? Knowing yeah. that Geraldine yeah. Chaplin, the oldest of those eights mm-hmm. of those eight children, was born in '44. Well, the film wraps up in like the '60s. Yeah. So she's she's 24 <laughs> when when he accepts that Oscar. Where the hell is she? Yeah. And so it just like it just it it would it felt weird the things that they chose to focus on, mm-hmm. and and didn't flesh them out enough. Like didn't give enough meat to you know. So let's let's back this train up a bit, so to speak. And that's no pun because the scene you referenced was on a train. But I think. I'm willing to agree with you here, and it's kind of a coincidence because my example was bringing up that exact same scene. So I think big picture, if I had to label big things, you know, if you're looking at a pair of dress pants, good example, and you go, those are nice dress pants, like really, they you're, you know, you look sharp, you look professional, but the bottoms aren't hemmed, and they, they've got like frayed bottoms, and they're kind of just a little too long, and they're, they drag in the mud a little bit. And when you're someone's walking by, you, they're first drawn to like, whoa, those are really good dress pants. And then you look closer and you're like, oh, but they're a little rough around the edges. They just need to be finished a little bit. Yeah. I think that's the way this is with this film. So I think big picture, I think things like, say, the cinematography, you know, was adequate. But I think it could have been a little bit more artistically done. And for me, a big thing that was a bit more, could have been a bit more emotional would be the soundtrack was underwhelming. And so when all these things interlock and work together, a perfect example is the one you just gave where all those facets weren't interlocking. So on the train, which I think should have been one of the most defining parts of the movie, where he has this romantic flair die in the flu epidemic, I felt this build, building like in the milliseconds all leading up to this where you were getting detail by detail and then you I kind of felt just the hammer coming down and something about it just wasn't woven to the emotional and climactic head that it really should have in that moment and I don't know if it was the I think the the soundtrack in the moment was underwhelming maybe just the cutting and the the, the way the scene played out was a little bit underwhelming and I feel like that was just such a misplayed moment that needed to be in the film, but should have been done in a more, I don't know what, but in a more significant, impactful way. And so that was an example of, for me, where just it felt so unfinished, where you had all the ingredients to be an emotional moment, and then it just kind of fizzled into just passing, and it was more just information passing, less than emotional significance. And even when you have this moment where he is, you know, just crouched in the hall crushed by this 
and someone's like, Hey, are you okay? And he is like, Oh, well, I've, I have to smile or something like that. And then he gets off the train and is hiding this pain and, and goes on to say, I basically found I had no home anymore because even people in his, like people at that bar mistreated him. All these moments, I'm just like, okay, this is just needing to be hit as a home run and it's not. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, cause I, I that bar I'm, scene had all the ingredients to be a really impactful moment. And I that, do really like that scene, but it just yeah. didn't, like he just just barely missed the mark, I think. Yeah, and same with where he had to just put on a brave face and smile in the public, but was emotionally cut inside. Like all these things were, yeah, I agree. There, it's just wasn't quite finished to the degree that I would have needed it to if it was a top ten film or emotionally significant. So I, I guess I can hear what you're saying on that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. It is, but I I do have. There are good things about this film. For me, that covers all the bad stuff. Maybe there's yes. more bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I got you. good stuff too. So, but okay, y- y- hit okay. me, hit me with what you got. Well, I think it. If I had to summarize it, it's in two things that I would say that are good that I haven't mentioned before about all these ticking the boxes of a character study that I like in period piece and all that kind of stuff. I do think the surrealness of where he found his hat and his cane just as a moment in the film i felt was so apart from anything we saw in the rest of the film you know we see we see all the moments of you know in the beginning the black and white and going to color or the fast motion music only moments that are kind of nods to his films but this was just so unique and kind of just felt so apart that I I really enjoyed that scene. Mm-hmm. But on a bigger picture, one of the reasons I liked this movie was just the melancholic tone. And something that the soundtrack did do for me at times was add to that melancholic tone. And I really felt with that tone, even in the moments when Chaplin was succeeding whether it be for the moments of joy when he was in the early parts of a relationship or succeeding in his business of being an actor, I never really got to enjoy it because just with the undertones that the music and the story was feeding or jumping to the future where you see maybe this more of a broken man who's kind of reflective on his time, all his successes I was never able to enjoy as, as a viewer. And when I was thinking about that, I thought that was kind of ironic or coincidental because he himself even mentioned that to uh, Anthony Hopkins where Anthony Hopkins was like, hey, did you ever put your feet up and, you know, really just enjoy the moment? And Chaplin was like, no, no, I was always looking to do the next thing. I, w- I didn't have time to enjoy the highs. I was just on to the next thing and couldn't celebrate my victories. And so I think there's, for me, that's how I experienced it. I was never able to enjoy the moment. I was always going, okay, but when's it going to come crashing down next to the next cyclical thing that went wrong? And so I felt like that almost of a connection with Chaplin in a way, so to speak. So I I feel like just as a whole, and there wasn't just one moment where that happened, that's where the film succeeded for me. Mm. I see. Yeah. I... Interestingly, I found that moment really jarring. I think it, hmm. it stuck out for me in a bad way. Oh, um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, just because it was the only moment where it happens, 
where you get that sort of super realism oh. s- stuff flying onto him, you know. And so to me, it just felt like out of like, place. Yeah, you know, it just felt like an identity crisis moment for the film. <laughs> right? Maybe that just one and done kind of. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Just didn't. Didn't. Yeah. I feel um, like when I said I like it, I feel it's another example of maybe being unfinished and kind of like you're saying, maybe if it had been touched on more than once of having these surreal moments in different parts of his life, that was kind of then a connecting part. It would have been more impactful, but just as a one and done. Yeah, that's it does stand out, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, uh, that and the only other gripe I have okay. is a tiny one. <clears throat> Is I just, I, the whole like weird Star Wars transitions, you know, the, the like the weird like panning swipes or it like, like book page turns or whatever. There's yeah, just a whole lot pretty, of weird transitions w- that they chose. I don't know what that falls under because it's not really cinematography. I guess like trend editing. I don't know. No, but it was editing. It was a, it was a creative it decision. Editing? That was is that what you'd classify it as editing? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I would and, agree. And it, the editing was, yeah, subpar. Yeah. And it, it would have been, like, you know, that would have been the decision of Richard Attenborough. Yes. Right? Yeah. So it's not just like, yep. oh, some, some kid in the editing room <laughs> thought, oh, this would be fun. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Right, but it just yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Didn't didn't land I'm, for me. I'm actually glad you brought that up because that was a problem, not a huge problem for me, but I did not enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. So just just you know, just kind of just kind of was what it was, I guess. Yep. Um, things that I really like again, the acting. I thought everyone did a fantastic job in this role. Um, I think for the early '90s, it was pretty impressive makeup that they put on him to age him um it seemed you know yes i think sorry i agree with you for the early 90s it was good i think this is an example of um i would like to see this movie made in modern day and with a larger budget so when i think of say the great gatsby it had a budget of like 130 million and when I think of like Interstellar, where they do different things or inception of different characters aged, I think that was adequate the way they did Robert Downey Jr., but with a bigger budget in modern day, I think it could have been better. Right. I strangely I found that it it like when the movie started, like it was made in ninety three, but something about I don't know if it was the lenses they were using or the cinematography or what it was. But especially in like the opening scenes, there were like darker city street scenes or, you know, like, I don't know what it was. Some mm. of the darker indoor scenes. If you had told me that this film was like from a from an image quality and cinematography standpoint, there were many moments where if you had told me that this was like 10 years to 15 years older than it was. I would not have argued. I would have gone, okay, hmm. yeah. Like, it just, it felt, like, compared to the other 90s films we've been watching, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it just felt like a bigger leap in film aesthetic 
then it just felt like the biggest leap, right? Like it's mm-hmm. been it's been kind of going back in time for us. It's been this gradual burn up until this point. Um, you know, the slow evolution where, you know, okay, it's a little older, a little older, we're getting a little older. Um, and then this just felt like, <laughs> you know, it just felt like a big jump. Like at times it, it looked like the Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka movie. Like it just had this like big change for me. But I don't know, was, that could just be me. I, yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, I love the acting. I thought the soundtrack was great. Before you talk about the soundtrack, can I just say, this is a backhanded compliment, I guess, but the childhood acting part, or the childhood part of the movie made me appreciate the Robert Downey Jr. acting more. I felt those scenes were just not the best, honestly. I felt the movie kind of dragged during that time. So oh, really? I, I'm just saying it's a backhanded compliment. Really enjoyed the Robert Downey Jr. Oh, moments. okay. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, those they didn't stick out to me as subpar in any okay. way, but yeah. um yeah, so I you know, I love the music, I love the, the the acting. I I did like the dialogue. I just again, I thought it was like discombobulated, mm-hmm. I guess. Um and ultimately the moments where they were creating well-known historical moments, like sort of shot for shot, I they did a fantastic job, right? Whether it was like those in those moments where like everybody knows Charlie Chaplin's film, The Great Dictator, right? Mm. Where he's dressed up as Hitler and he blah blah blah. Yeah. So so seeing him piece together the his idea for that and and seeing him really struggle with the, the concept, the idea of Nazis and really mm-hmm. feeling personally moved by that, that I loved. Yeah. I loved that, yeah. right? You can go on and watch on YouTube, you can watch his appearance at the the, the Academy Awards and actually mm. see his speech, which you don't get to see in the film. Oh. Um, and, and find out that, yeah, like Robert Downey Jr.'s voice, like he nailed this. Nailed mm. it. He sounds just like him. Um, and there's there's very few moments in this film, whether it's like a grunt or it's just like some sort of guttural noise that Robert Downey Jr. makes in this, where you can kind of go, okay, I can hear a little bit of RDJ in that. <laughs> For the rest of the time, like if this was an audiobook, you wouldn't walk away from it going, well, it sounds like Robert Downey Jr. Like he really lost himself mm. in this role. And so, yeah. That's interesting. So I love that stuff. I think that's that's kind of all I have to say, I think. Cool. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I think that's about it. You know, I think uh, I'm going to give it a bit of a teaser to uh, a small bonus episode we'll be recording and releasing in the future. I do feel as iconic as Charlie Chaplin was, and I'm not taking away from his career in any way. I just look at the type of comedy that was like slapstick, you know, close to vaudeville when the early silent movies were coming out where it's all slapstick and kind of, to me, just not my cup of tea. I just look at entertainment that I consume in my life at this point in my life, and I go, wow, I find this more entertaining than anything I could have watched if I lived in the 20s. And that's all I'll say. Just, all right. Yeah. 
All right. All <laughs> I right. just, I think I would have, obviously at the time I would not have been bored because that's all I would have known. But uh, if I had to go back in time and live there, I think I would be bored. Quite possibly, yeah. She's like, I think, I think I should like watching the waves, and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, you guys don't have like Netflix. Like- <laughs> Like it was an actual, not like you know, not a realization quite to that extent. But I was like, "Huh, yeah." I That's you just gotta find ways to entertain yourself, like you know, not a lot for you to do. <laughs> okay, but uh, all right, scale of zero to ten, sir. How would you rank the film Chaplin? You know, I had a lot of trouble with this. I was honing between a seven and an eight. I think I'm gonna stick with a seven. It's still good. Still really enjoyed watching it. Um, but I think for all the reasons we outlined, or at least I outlined, and the things I agreed with of yours, you know, I, I don't think I can give it higher than a seven. And it's definitely not in the nine or ten category. Uh, but it was close. If some things had been done more well, I easily could have seen this being a nine or a ten um, and been a top ten film. But it was just a little too rough around the edges, a little bit too much of unfinished things. Um, but I, I, I definitely am happy I finally watched this. Like you, it was on my radar for quite some time, and I am very intrigued to watch it. Might not need to watch it again, or at least not in the near future. I'm not sure it has the rewatch value, but uh, definitely really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, just a lot of a lot of good things. I'd say the good outweighs the bad for sure. What do you give it out of ten? I give it a five and a half. Five point five out of oh, ten. Harsh. Okay. A bit, well, not well, harsh, I but mean, a bit not as good as I gave it. Not as not as good. Which I think we knew that that's yeah. where yeah. this was headed. Yeah. yeah. It um you know just wasn't wasn't top notch for me. I had a lot of like again all the components were there. All the recipe ingredients were there. Just something in the cooking process, hmm. you know. Yeah, I do. Just didn't pan out the way, the way I would have liked it to. So, which is unfortunate, because I I anticipated like I went into it with a lot like you know big hopes. Really thought it was just gonna you know make that top favorite film list, but hmm. you know ultimately, ultimately it did not. Hmm. So, yeah. What'd you watch this week? Uh, a few things. So I watched uh, Jurassic World, the 2015 reboot, pre- sequel, requel, whatever you'd call it. Uh, obviously the fourth film in the franchise. I gave it a five out of ten. You know, it's better than five and six. You know, uh, those were awful. Um, and I feel like Jurassic World kind of started off well. And then as the movie went on, Kind of like pulled the Titanic where, you know, things start well and then the boat sinks and everyone dies and everyone's sad. Kind of the same with this movie. You know, it had glimmers of, you know, doing the series justice and giving some fun nods and having some interesting characters. And then as the movie went on, it just kind of fell into these really, you know, identity crisis of what made Jurassic Park 1 and 2 so good. And kind of falling away from that and uh, streaming its own path and not in a good way. So Jurassic World, 5 out of 10. It's got as much good as as much bad, but the series definitely goes down from there. 
Uh, I watched a 2017 film called American Made, one of those based on a kind of true story and and made into a Hollywood interpretation. So it's a story of this American pilot who becomes a drug runner for the CIA during the 1980s um, kind of drug wars that took place in Latin America. And it stars Tom Cruise. That's why I watched it. I'm still on my Tom Cruise binge. Had uh, but, um, Tom Walsh. Tom Wall Gleason, um, and those would be the main names in it. it. I give it a six out of ten. You know, I was somewhat entertained throughout it. I was entertained by Tom Cruise's performance, um, but ultimately, I I thought, um, I don't know. I just felt a little unsatisfied at the ending of the film, and it was bright and vibrant from a cinematography perspective, but maybe just a bit light and fluffy. Uh, as far as context or, you know, as far as significance and, and where, where they took the characters in the story. So six out of 10. And then a couple rapid fire ones getting ready for the new Indiana Jones. I watched Raiders of the Lost Ark, gave it an eight out of 10. Still so iconic, still so classic. It just, it's, you watch it and you go, wow, this is cliche. And then you realize, no, like these are the things that made these tropes cliche in the action genre back in the day. So it's very well done. Steven Spielberg classic. I watched uh, The Big Short, which is a favorite of mine, uh, directed by uh, Adam McKay. And I still love it. I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's It's got such an amazing cast. All the actors flex their abilities with Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Brad, pa- Brad Pitt. Um, and Adam McKay does this incredible job of bringing something that was so pivotal, that was the financial crisis, and brings about all the information that was related to it. And it's boring information for most people. And he brings it to a fun context that's easy to follow or easier to follow. And um, just from a filmmaking feat, from an enjoying watching feat and an acting feat, uh, the, even the editing too. The editing is impeccable. That um, that they that they do, and it helps the narrative and the storytelling. I just love everything about it. I could talk about it. I watch it about once a year. It feels like just because I think it's so well made. And the last thing I watched was a 2006 film called Deja Vu, starring Denzel Washington, uh, Val Kilmer of all people, and then a few other. Uh, smaller actors like Bruce Greenwood. Um, You know, I gave it a 6 out of 10. It's a movie about this fairy that gets bombed in New Orleans. And uh, the film, I'm trying to see what it would be classified as. Would it be classified as sci-fi or action? Uh, Regardless, it's... It's got some interesting narrative that is reminiscent in some things that are seen in Interstellar and um, with just some time time and space principles. And it's a, it's interesting for 2006. It's kind of like Chaplin, Chaplin for its time. It was good. It, it had some interesting narrative, but it was a little rough around the edges. And when I watch it for everything that was good, there would be a scene that was just kind of very corny, mid-2000s action-y. And, um, you know... It's it, it's a six out of ten for a reason for everything that's good about it. There's some corniness to it too. So 
if nothing else, it's just a fun action flick in Denzel Washington during his prime where he was a, I won't say an actor or a movie star, but he was definitely a stud in the industry. So a lot of movies that I just went over, but that is what I watched this week. What did you watch? Um, again, I'm just kind of continuing on in that, the MCU <laughs> rewatch thing. And I can never remember where we're, where I left off. Who? So it's been a hot. Second. If I'm missing, yeah. So if I'm missing some, or I'm 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 repeating some, then you know, yeah. I don't know. Forgive me. <laughs> um, but I watched Captain America: Civil War. Okay. Yep. Then Black Widow in its rightful oh. place. Yeah. 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 Uh, the first Black Panther. Spider-Man Homecoming, Doctor hmm. Strange, hmm. Thor Ragnarok, yes, and Ant-Man and the Wasp. The first. So like, that's... Not the newest one. So it's like number two. Yes. Sorry, two of the Ant-Man Two movies. of the Ant-Man films, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which means the next ones, like when we next talk, yeah. I will have watched Infinity War and Endgame. Interesting. I've made it. We're at, the, we're at the moment. It's happening. I'm excited. So, yeah, that's, I think that's it. I think that's it. We're, you know, we're continuing to watch The Simpsons. How far are you in the series? Season seven. Oh, okay. I think. Cool. I think seven. Yeah. So, you know, ticking away. <laughs> ticking away. It's what we watch during dinner instead of communicating like <laughs> sometimes people. you just need to decompress yeah yeah so there you go all right can i your mcu prompted me of something i kind of watched okay. i what's the third ant-man movie Ant quantumania mania i don't know if i'd consider that i watched it my wife and i put it on the tv and <laughs> i fell asleep twice and every time I woke up, I like sat up and I was like, eh. And then I went back to sleep. Yeah. That's... And then but the final time I woke up, there was about like a third of the movie left. And I was like, listen, let's go to bed. And then the following two days at every point, my wife's like, oh, should we finish this? And I truly just said, nah, <laughs> I'm yeah. good. I literally just said that. It's pretty, uh <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no one no one can fault you. <laughs> Very good. Very yeah. good. All right, sir. Uh you wanted to are you ready to wrap it up or you got something I, I, to I'm ready to wrap it up and we'll we'll move right along. Oh, okay. I thought you were what are you what are you we'll, teasing? Well we'll record a bonus episode. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to tease that, but oh, I should do that a bit more. Well, actually, I'll, let me let me do my thing. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for voting. Thank you for liking. Like, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for rating and reviewing. 
Uh, thank you for checking out our Patreon page, our merchandise page. Our Patreon page is a way for you to support the show, and it's a way to give you some perks back, whether it's bonus voting power, whether it's the occasional bonus episode like we're about to record, uh, whether it's uh, checking out the occasional video stream. Uh, we do like to throw some things on the uh, Patreon page, and we just do appreciate you uh, showing your support. And um, until next time, where we talk about some movie news, where we also we'll be continuing in Mission Impossible and where we, um, you know, we've got some new releases coming out this summer. So just stay tuned. You never know what we're going to review. And uh, a bit of a teaser. I'm going to play a Would You Rather question with Brady as it relates to uh, art and entertainment in the 1920s. But you're going to do that over on Patreon. We're going to do that on Patreon. All right. Yeah. I can't yeah. wait. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know where my excitement level is at. My, <laughs> my curiosity is peaked. That's all I can say. <laughs>